0: Bradley, I'm a clown, huh.
1: This episode of the Bitcoin Echo Chamber podcast is sponsored by WTFHappenedIn1971.com. The economics meme taking the world by storm where all of us are trying to find out the answer to what the heck happened in 1971. WTF 1971 also has a merch store now. You can find it at WTF-1971.creator-spring.com. I'll post a link to that down in the show notes if you want to check it out. Thanks for the support. Nice. Nice. Um, and we're recording, we're recording, and let's go live. Hello, YouTube, Bitcoin world. The current time in Moscow is 2,596. Ben, there's a strange temporal anomaly going on over in Moscow right now. You seeing this? Um, No, Colin. Um, Why don't you fill me in? Well, normally, time goes up to... Twenty-three fifty-nine, and then it rolls over. Mm-hmm. But some reason the time just keeps going up over in Moscow. I don't know. So we should get our best people on this.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get on the phone with uh, Einstein and figure out what's going on with that time dilation there, sir. I'll get back to you with an update next week, okay?
1: Einstein or Weinstein? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's gauge theoretic, but it also ties into um you know, Einstein's uh, theory of special relativity. So, well, we'll have to consult both sources.
1: Interesting. Man. Man, I can't pull up like the YouTube comments without freezing the stream. Oh, well, <laughs> all right. Well, you have a, a weather report for us, don't you? I do,
0: yes. Yes, Colin, let's go to the weather. Um, so today, uh, we're, we're looking at the mempool here. This is uh, the three-month chart. Um, you can see, well, last week there was a very large FUD front building and you can see that built into some really um, strong QLIO that's that's created a lot of high transaction fees. But surprisingly, you know, I wasn't sure how this was going to go. Zooming into the one week chart here, um, you can see these things really got up into the uh, hundreds of SAP per byte. And I was, uh, I, was, I was not too bullish on, you know, being able to do some, uh, you know, maintenance of my wallets and stuff this weekend. But uh, luckily, uh, it looks like that has just absolutely cleared out to clear skies here for the weekend. Um, I sent the 30 sat per byte transaction yesterday. And it look, you can see it just cut right into that 30 sat per, per byte transaction, just scrolling into the 24 hour here. Um, you can see it's definitely on its way down. So um, that, that FUD front has definitely kind of moved on, um, at least for the weekend. You may see um, a little more storm front next week. Um, but you can definitely get some relatively cheaper uh, transactions through this weekend if you have a little bit lower time preference, Colin. Um, yeah, back to you.
1: That, thanks, Ben. That, that was a great report. And luckily for us, I have a fantastic time preference. Um, it's extremely low. I literally don't even eat anymore. Boy, Ben. Nothing happened again this week. What are we even? No. What are we even going to talk about?
0: Man. Yeah, it's just uh, there's nothing going on. Um, Bitcoin you know, is
1: dead, so we're gonna have to right. move on from that.
0: Yeah, but, I just I just sent it to my boys that we should pack it up and and just
1: just just go home. I think I'm gonna need to rename the show, the Bitcoin Echo Chamber. and We'll have to rename it like the Ben and Colin Show. We could could we make like a fiat money podcast? Do you think that would that would go over <laughs> like well? Add like the fiat echo chamber would be like yeah we'll be toxic fiat maximalists you know yeah yeah just like ardent MMTers mm-hmm. yeah we'll, we'll link up with Stephanie Kelton and we'll do um, like a we'll, we'll rebrand WTF happened in 1971 and like we will. <laughs> I don't know how we'll frame it, but we'll, we'll brainstorm with Stephanie. We'll Chelsea. just have to spin
0: all those charts to make it seem like it's good.
1: Yeah, yeah. We'll but be we'll, fair, fair weather podcasters. You talk know? about like liquidity traps and. Mm-hmm. Um, there's got to be ways that we can make it look like um, massive wealth inequality is a good thing.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know if that's a good segue into uh, Lynn Alden had another great report this week um, that man like i don't I don't know if I can do this any justice, but um there was some amazing charts on it. So uh, if you guys don't follow Lynn, um highly recommended she just everything she writes is is really it's it's well balanced, you know, uh, you know, she's definitely not like a Keynesian, but she she uh, she she does a great job of explaining kind of both sides of things, I think. but um, some really interesting points I just want to make because, you know, Colin and I were talking about the uh the long-term debt cycles and kind of ray dalio um stuff a long time ago and she's really showing us these echoes of you know 1929 kind of thing not that i'm saying a giant you know 1929 style crash is coming but just that we're seeing similar echoes of in the banking system and so like this one uh was something i shared in the discord last week and she put it again on this chart uh on this on this writing and this is just To me, absolutely staggering. So these two lines are basically the percentage of bank assets in both treasuries and cash balances. And even put together, they're at like very historic lows. I mean, banks don't hold cash is what I'm saying. So like big surprise, you get a banking crisis. also, she was talked a little bit about inflation. You can see producer price infl- um, inflations coming up to 6, 6.17% as of the time of that writing. Um, this is really interesting as well. This is a much more longer term chart. It starts in 1960 because all of 2020. You see the federal funds rate. Um, you can obviously see 1971 right here in case you're wondering. Um, so you can see everything starts to get crazy. Big surprise. Um, total debt as a percentage of broad money supply, which is new. And I hadn't kind of seen framed that way before.
1: Hmm. Um,
0: very interesting. This is another one that echoes 1929. Um, this just kind of shows us more that she, she also went through a really interesting thing that um, it, at different points in this uh, debt cycle um, that we could deal with inflation in different ways, like, for example, in the 1970s, because this blue line was so much lower, meaning the debt as a percentage of how much money is in the system was so much lower that they fought inflation via interest rates. But we can't do that now because the debt is too high. We, we actually have the opposite. The interest rates are very low, right? Um, so now they're fighting uh, inflation um, in, in other means, right? So it's, it's I don't know, it's, just, it's really fascinating. She has a really great look at it. Um, this is showing you kind of that echo uh, where you can see here's back in the 1920s and here's today, you can see these, these two come up a lot and they go down and now they're both coming up a lot. So um, down here, um, these are these banking crisis, boom and boom. So it, it's, it's just a really great read. Um, the other thing that I loved about this chart um, that actually surprised me is the federal deficit as a percent of GDP in the 1940s following this banking crisis in 1929 was actually much higher than it is today. Um, I don't know if she's suggesting that it could actually reach those levels. Um, and if it did, um, you know, that would, that would spell in inflation, um, I think, so uh, just really fascinating stuff here. I think that's, yeah, I think that's the last one I had for that, so um, I don't know if you want to add any comments on that or whatever, Colin. But.
1: Um, I mean, it's, I think Lynn is a phenomenal thinker. Um, pretty good, like a really good writer too. Like I, I love her piece on um, Ethereum. And why she's not so interested in Ethereum? I think it's a really good, um, no nonsense breakdown, right? Like it's it's not charged with any emotion. There's not really any mudslinging. There's a lot of things you can talk about Ethereum that she didn't even need to get into, in that article. Um, a lot of you know, like pr- intrinsic problems beyond just the technical failings, um, and then. I don't know, man. Like, I I don't know, I don't understand a lot of the stuff that she talks about nearly as well as she does. Like, just because I'm such an ardent Austrian and because I focus on the um, the business cycle theory, you know, popularized by Mises. And I've been reading uh, Rothbard's America's Great Depression lately. And that book is just... um, Did you see that thing that I tweeted yesterday where I was like... Once you internalize the Austrian framework, you can deduce something a priori, and you can look at something and say, I think this because X, Y, and Z. And then 18 months later, you'll pull out a Rothbard book and read that exact same thought, even though you kind of came to it independently. It's really amazing. Yeah. It uh, was a kind of a tangent there that I went on, but...
0: No, no. I mean, and I totally agree, and I think, you know, we've talked about this before on the pod, that you know, we find the same thing happening in the Bitcoin space, um, because Austrian economics, you know, we call it like a superpower, but it's just because it's like logic and it's like a very, uh, rigorous type of logic at looking at, you know, human action, how it responds to incentives and such. And, and now we're kind of seeing that same, um, thing I think play out in the, in the Bitcoin space, you know, Robert Breedlove, and, and other uh, entities coming up with very similar arguments. Um, it, it just makes sense because it's just logic right does
1: lynn consider herself an austrian do you know
0: um i don't think so uh like as a as a diehard, you know because austrians tend to kind of reject keynesianism and i think the reason that she doesn't is because she has her foot so into the um, traditional investment world i don't want to put words in her mouth i love lynn um that she just you know it's it's almost like the jeff booth presentation of austrian economics where it's 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 a very logical view that's not really you know it's not dogmatic in any way um but it is it is easily yeah. digestible by any audience i think yeah. so
1: no i agree does that make sense yeah I, I don't know like it's it's pretty possible that a lot of um her, her core beliefs line up fairly well with uh, austrian economics whether she'd call herself an austrian or not well uh, I think one thing I'd say about Lynn is
0: she's much more descriptive rather than prescriptive. And I think that is an important point to understand that her goal um, in her work is to help investigators navigate um, a, a relatively, you know treacherous and changing waters of, um, of of the financial landscape because so much of what I think, you know the the problem with investing is it's it so much relies on federal policy. So I think she tries to help people hedge that. And, and thus the Austrian economics isn't necessarily an important part of that because it's not depending on, you know, a sound monetary system. It's depending on an unsound monetary system. So she um, explores different avenues of mm. how different effects, you know what I mean? I am mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm well,
1: and, and I look at those, th- like, I feel like you and I look at these things a little bit differently, or maybe, maybe you don't, maybe I, I don't, I don't want to speak for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but Like, You know, reading reading Rothbard's America's Great Depression. You know, one of the things that he hits on is that um, consumption doesn't stimulate investment. It's it's actually the other way around because consumption is not saving. Saving is what stimulates investment because then there's more capital available to be deployed into it. Investment consumption consumes capital, right? And and yes, like there's there's profit to be made, but it's it's different than this this Keynesian idea that we have of consumption is good for the economy is just a backwards way of thinking about capital. And when you frame it like that, and like looking at looking at things like GDP, right? Well, I mean, I think I think we could all probably agree that GDP is kind of useless. But we use uh, that's the thing about like our site, right? Is that we use all of these traditional. Um, financial metrics that are popular like it's like it's their data right like I think CPI is a joke but I'll happily throw a CPI chart up there that shows that their system broke in 1971 and that's when it started going off the rails by their own metrics right even though the me- the books are cooked and the metrics aren't very good at displaying anything useful um, we can look at that on a macro trend and say like well something weird happened Does Is
0: that make the problem? sense
1: what I'm getting we, at there that's the problem between like the conversation between the austrians and
0: and the keynesians is that keynesian you know you just made the claim like oh but inflation doesn't you know it doesn't stimulate the economy and like if you look at data it looks like it does does, right it it does though it 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 does does. stimulate the economy but like at what cost is like what an austrian would say and in the long term
1: future productivity future investment future savings
0: it's like draining your bank account Right? To like, you know, buy a new car kind mm-hmm. of thing when really, you know, you might want to be saving for an uncertain event, right? Like, that's, you know, and I, so it's, it's, it, it is, it is tough to kind of bridge those divides because I, I sometimes argue with Keynesians and there's just an impasse sometimes. That, yeah.
1: And that, that's the thing is like debt expansion and inflation, in, in, inflationary debt expansion, I guess I should say, it does um, spark more growth I guess you I guess you could say it that way like with the metrics that they use like yeah I'm not here to argue against that but what you're doing is bringing forward productivity from the future bringing forward consumption from the future you know rather than the other and saving is the exact opposite you're delaying consumption today you know to save it for the future and that's how investment happens is capital, um, Accumulate. Is deferred in the in the present, based on you know the order of time preference, and then it's saved for the future and used to do great things, and that's you know why we see this weird collapse of so many things beautiful in the modern 21st century is because you know like we have these buildings that are built with fiat, right? They're they're not cathedrals anymore. Yeah,
0: and I think their language, you know, because I'm kind of trying to pick apart their language a little bit here too, um, is 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 almost reminds me of the communists where they kind of try to change the meanings of stuff or or maybe kind of be deceptive or use euphemisms. And and like the term that was coming around this week, as you well know, is transitory, right? Mm. Transitory. Right. And what, you know, the definition of transitory means that it's a short-term thing. But Lynn is very careful to point out that there's two different types of transitory inflation. And it's key to understand the difference between the two. And and the first one is a trans- transitory uh, in, in absolute sense, meaning the inflation goes up, and then the prices fall back down to some kind of mean, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, is not what I, do, I think is happening right here. And I think that's what the Fed is trying to tell you. It's like, oh, no, it's just a little bit of inflation because there's a supply right. shock. It's just a blip. But what's really happening is the, um, the rate of increase is, is transitory. And the rate in- of increase can come back down. But then those prices will never fall back down. So, like, for example, right, if inflation is 2% exactly on average for the last 10 years, and then it spikes up to 10% for one year, and it goes back to 2%, then there was never a period of deflation to kind of reset prices. You just have this massive jump in prices, as, as an example. And it is it is a very key difference that, that
1: you know, I, I think she points out. Anyway. Well, what's what's interesting to me is, you know, I'm – I'm not one of these sophisticated financiers, right? Like I'm not involved in all these complex financial instruments. I'm not trying to find yield in um, changing commodity prices. I'm not following, you know, like all that that stuff, all those metrics that that, um, Lynn likes to dig into follow so closely as to, okay, here's the macro picture or here's like the macro picture on a certain timescale. And this is what the central bank did. And this is what happened afterwards therefore this is what we maybe might expect could happen um, in the current climate today based on you know historical past metrics what the central banks did how they reacted whereas I feel like you and I find a lot less uh, because we're not involved in those um, we're, we're not trying to find yield like literally all my money is mm-hmm. just in Bitcoin because I'm looking at the macro picture I don't care what the central banks do I know that this party is almost over um, because i know because i I've, I've internalized enough mises and rothbard to know that we're at we like you you can only postpone the deflationary collapse of credit expansion eventually the bust has to come and you know it was um who was it last week we were talking about it last week who we said that the, he expects the dollar has less than 15 years left as a reserve currency so like really the the um yeah, I, and I understand. I like. I'm not saying, don't pay attention to what the central banks do, because obviously, you know, if you're heavily involved in um, finding yield in these all these different financial instruments available, you know, that's an important thing to look at. I get it, um, but I don't know. Our way seems easier. <laughs> well, you know, I think we live in a state of monetary
0: madness, and um, you know, some people they enjoy watching NASCAR because they like seeing the crash and. That's that's not what I'm trying to get at by saying this, but um, to me, I just like to try to understand things. And for me, Lin Alden is a bit of popcorn, um, and and it helps me understand. I think a little bit about why things are breaking. You know, I always describe central bank interference as as kind of like a whack-a-mole, where oh, inflation comes up here and you push it down, and something just like shoots up somewhere else. And it's not always obvious what that next thing shooting up will be. And I think understanding it better um, allows me to understand where that next mole might pop up or why it may have already popped up. So I just, I don't know. I
1: just enjoy following it. But I agree with you. Yes. Hodler's unaffected, right? (laughs) It's like you're in a sinking ship and there's like whole spurts of water coming out of the wall and you're using like your different fingers and your feet and stuff to try to plug the holes. And you're like, oh, that one's bigger. And you try to move. But now you just uncover the other one. And you're like, oh, crap. Another fantastic analogy. Eventually that ship's going to sink. You're just delaying the inevitable yes um
0: speaking of delaying the inevitable um china i heard did did they ban bitcoin
1: is that true so wait let me get this straight china banned all right first of all (laughs) i did some intelligence wait where'd you go you just like disappeared oh okay you screen share um i gathered some intelligence around the office water cooler the other day and China absolutely did this because they banned because they banned Bitcoin. So that is what happened. Okay. Um, and now you know, like, we got all these people talking about how Bitcoin is dead, like, because it needs bigger blocks. Um, what year is it? <laughs> what year is it? We're <laughs> China's banning Bitcoin. We need bigger blocks in Bitcoin. Like, it's it's 2017, right? let me check the moscow time clock um
0: it looks like it is 2017 yes no, we're, we're
1: still in that temporal anomaly over there yes it's not going to be very useful
0: well when the fud storm mixes with the temporal storm you
1: just you never have a good time
0: it's definitely good to seek shelter in these times
1: i mean this is just <laughs> ridiculous how many times has china banned bitcoin was Bitcoin um, even legal before they banned 478? it? 478.
0: No. Well, you know what I was reading this morning? Because um, I I don't understand this either. It's like, how do they ban it so many times? It sounds like they never really unbanned it. They just keep banning it over and over Is it again. like a provincial thing? <laughs> I don't I don't know. Um, because mining is still the biggest you know, it's like their biggest export at this point. And so.
1: what about this like 4chan post floating around? It's like a screenshot of a 4chan post of some guy claiming that they're dumping tons of Bitcoin and that and then there was that other one about how they were saying they were squeezing out some hyper leveraged whale. Yes. And that's why the price it's just I mean like, yeah, maybe that's legit. I don't know. It, why? I think my take on that is a Moscow clock is
0: what right twice a day, um, that you know to be like somebody said something on 4chan that was true and everyone's like oh somebody said something on 4chan that's actually true right like that, that aligns it's like, with the prediction it's like QAnon
1: like,
0: yeah I mean there's like I'm sure there's a billion of those posts that weren't true right yeah, and that, throw that enough de- shit at the wall accurately predict
1: the 30k well,
0: I don't know but,
1: I, I will say dude like. You have to admit, there's been a noticeable amount of coordinated FUD in like the last week or two, for sure. From big people who were probably involved in some way, shape, or form, whether they know it or not, um, with coordinating this downward price action. And I, honestly, like to me, this just looks like a coiling spring. Um, I think it's 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 a good thing. Like yeah. I don't know I got a lot richer in the last two weeks.
0: You could say there were um, gyrations in the uh, media sphere. Did you see that post? No. Oh, really? Oh, I, thought that you were I did see the Pope
1: to. was tweeting about it.
0: Okay, so Jesse Powell um, cited two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven 11 different publications that all had the term gyration in describing the Bitcoin crash, including CoinDesk, uh, Coindesk Fortune, FX Empire, um, Economist Times, Liverman, Bloomberg, Reuters, uh business live oh it was more than 12 sorry um fx empire the week.com investment magazine you get the point ft they all had the word gyrations in it which is really a weird word yeah. to use in a bitcoin crash article but like all within you know 24 hours so uh, coordinated i don't know maybe
1: i don't know man like weird it it is possible You know, somebody somewhere was trying to squeeze out some, like, the whole, maybe the 4chan story is true. I don't know. But regardless of that, like, some there's clearly somebody dumping for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Probably not because they don't like Bitcoin anymore. Probably because they have ulterior motives and want to move the market. And then there was clearly, like, some sort of coordinated FUD situation going on um, in, in media and with certain political celebrities. Well, I don't mind putting my
0: tinfoil hat on from time to time, but for me, w- what I'm seeing is a, is a few things. One, yeah, that that four chan story actually kind of makes sense. There was a fuck ton of leverage in the system. Um, excuse my Russian. Um, there was a fuck ton of leverage in the system, and somebody clearing it out is is a long term healthy thing. And it's it's you know it's like it's like buying GameStop stock, right? Like it it is a good thing in the long run when somebody's shorting that much or has that too much leverage. Um, so that's, you know, I can see that. The, um, the other thing I, I really enjoyed um, was watching Willy Woo on the recent What Bitcoin Did. But if you can just follow him on Twitter, he has a, a really interesting analysis using on-chain data of, of who's buying, who's selling. And the, the most interesting thing that I, I got from his reports this week is that the people that were selling were not only new buyers, but they were new whales. So, you know, I kind of think like Elon following people people are like oh elon bought bitcoin let's right. also buy bitcoin oh wait china fud let's sell bitcoin Elon
1: sycophants is what i call them. yes
0: exactly and and the people buying were old holder hodl- hodlers in general like, like they well, do strong hands the rick astley's the people that are never going to let you down
1: yeah so. and, and i think we've honestly really needed this correction i think it's a re- like it's kind of amazing at this point to flush out all that leverage and mm see a really big correction with the shit coins, because what I, what I hope to see um, who was it, who was it that says that, the, was it Turdemister who says that all coins prime the pump for bitcoin I forget who says that, oh, but basically, you know, if you've been watching the um, exchange metrics, like there's been a friggin' crap load of bitcoin that's made its way onto Binance in the last six, not even six months like two, three months and uh, I mean off no, no, in into Binance. Like a freaking 100,000 Bitcoin have moved into Binance in like the last month.
0: You mean the last week? No. Would well, on net, on net most exchanges are, are losing Bitcoin.
1: Not Binance, not, not since the altcoins started pumping. So what you would hope to see, um, what 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 would be a really really interesting thing to see what will probably happen is if we spend a little time accumulating to go in sideways where we're at right now. Um and some of the shitcoiners start to get bored and then Bitcoin starts to do its thing again. You might see a tremendous amount of capital move out of those altcoins and into Bitcoin if it starts like if 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 I'm right right now and the spring is coiling. Um you have a lot of potential energy right there from dumb money FOMO traders who are going to be chasing Bitcoin. And that that's like a lot of capital that goes right like and, and I think that that's what I, I think it was turdermeister that said that um, I don't know but that's an interesting thing to watch um, but it, one thing's for sure like you, you can't keep having this situation where people think they're gonna buy 20,000 doge and retire in two years like it's it's so ridiculous I know mean, the conversations I've overheard in the last few weeks have been so silly
0: there's there's already been a massive correction on the doge price um whether it's in usd or bitcoin um i i it, it, it's it, it already looks like a pump and dump whatever whatever happened. so um the,
1: i the vast majority of those like the top 10 tokens are worth like 50 billion dollars right now
0: yeah the illiquidity of these things is it, it's hard to even articulate it's insane um, hey just on this this whole energy fud elon thing um i just wanted to give a shout out to my um my buddies uh brad mills and jamie king are working on um a short film they've got some good names already working you know they got nick carter and shit um and uh if you want to donate to their project i just tweeted it out a little while ago um help these guys out they they took a took a bunch of bitcoin donations right before last week um, so it, it cut into their budget a little bit this week. Um, but I, I know that they're still moving ahead with production. Um, they've got a good team. they got good people behind the scenes. Um, I, I'm, I'm not really well involved with it. I just uh, I am help like kind of following what they're doing and, and helping a little bit on the edges. so definitely recommend
1: helping out with that project. I think it's gonna be good. We'll keep an eye on that. Um, <laughs> oh you know the other thing too, the interesting thing about, now that the everyone's paying attention to the energy fud, and now we're having 2017 block size debates again, and the price is tanking because the Bitcoin is dying, Taproot's just gonna like sneak in. Like no one, no one is paying other than Bitcoiners is paying attention to Taproot. Like we're right. talking about one of probably the biggest protocol level upgrade that's ever happened. I mean, maybe you could argue like Segwit was was bigger, but I think Taproot. Seg- Segwit was was like a fundamental change, but I feel like Taproot is more ro- more of a robust change. Like it's gonna enable, and maybe that's wrong, right? Because you can't have Lightning without Segwit and all that. But um, Taproot's gonna really change the game, and looking, it's looking more and more like like the signaling thing might might play out like we hoped.
0: Yes, uh, yeah. Taproot is is incremental in a lot of ways, but it's incremental in a lot of ways, and it is very good long-term for Bitcoin and, and Bitcoin at this point kind of desperately needs it. And it's, it's funny because Marty Ben has been talking for like a year about how let's just get taproot in and then just ossify Bitcoin. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. and I can almost see that. I like Schnorr signatures. Well, Schnorr signatures is part of taproot. Is um, it? Aggregated signatures is probably what you're referring to.
1: No, I was thinking of Schnorr, but I don't know as much about it as you apparently.
0: Right. So taproot enables Schnorr,
1: right? You right. But, it- it's a separate implementation, isn't it? I don't know that it's a part of the Taproot upgrade. Maybe it is. I don't know. It's a
0: part of the, the BIP that's it's being presented as part of this Taproot upgrade. Okay. Schnorr is included in it, right? Um, I, you need Schnorr signatures could, to do all the cool stuff with, with Taproot. Like, that's... It, it really is part of it. Like, the Mercalize-ass... Uh, Merkelized abstract syntax trees, the mast M A S T, which you know hides all these spending conditions from everybody by just making everything look like the same, you know, transfer from one party to another. All that stuff is built into snort signatures, from wh- from what I understand. Um, but yes, I was calling it in the middle of the first epoch that it looks like it'll probably be the third epoch. And if you just kind of, I mean, it's not hard to do if you just kind of look at the tra- trajectory of which miners are are signaling, I think it's a little around 80% right now, but taproot.watch just added the potential um, mining miner signaling, which means like if Binance pool only mined one block that was green, we'll just, we'll sell you a separate metric where Binance is 100% green. And thus that that is at 95% right now. So if every, in theory, if every single pool that signaled at least one block signals all their blocks next time, we would already cross 95% going into this next epoch. So it's it's very likely the third, and if not the third, i I'm very bullish on the fourth epoch. So I maybe, think it's start, maybe it's gonna happen. And it's gonna
1: happen and no one's even gonna notice it because they're too distracted. I mean not that it not that it even matters like like they'd be able to affect it or anything, but um, it's just interesting that like such a huge thing is happening in Bitcoin that's that's gonna be great for privacy, you know, great for uh, helping on chain scale a little bit better and just None of the pundits are even paying attention to the biggest, one of the biggest, um, what would you call it, like protocol level changes ever in Bitcoin. It's amazing.
0: The only other one I know that I, I'm probably going to say this wrong. Um, So if Nadav Nadav is watching, um, (laughs) he'll probably scold me later, um, is adapter signatures, which I think we need for PTLCs, which are point time lock contracts instead of. HTLCs, which are hash time lock contracts on the Lightning Network. This solves a number of issues. Um that would be another really important upgrade, which I don't think is included here. So that's another one to watch out for, I guess. Anyway, um kinda nearing the end of my list here, Colin. Uh we had that oh you put that great thing in the Discord the other day. Um Ross Stevens just absolutely crushed this. Yeah, if you
1: guys um, didn't see the Ross Stevens interview, go watch it. It's phenomenal.
0: Yeah, just turn off this stream and go watch that. It's much better. Right now, um, yeah.
1: We're not worth it. But I, 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 I stole that quote that you put in the Discord, Colin. So
0: uh, and Ross said, Saturday, I talked with the heads of three of the largest central banks in the world about U.S. inflation and Bitcoin. I'd guess there's a 50-50 chance a central bank declares Bitcoin either legal tender or the reserve within twelve months. Now, I, that that sounds insane to me,
1: unbelievable,
0: yeah, that right? Does like sound it's insane. hard to believe that that's the case. Because who?
1: He said he he said specifically, the largest central banks, right? So who are we talking about? The United States, China. The UK? I don't know.
0: Well, if, we're, if we're reading technically what he said here, he talked to the three of the largest central banks, and then I guess there's a chance that a central bank declares.
1: Him. Okay, so it could be North could be- Korea. Right. It could be Iran. <laughs> like, we don't know. Yes. but
0: Venezuela okay. is mining Bitcoin, and guarantee you they are at least
1: stacking some
0: of it, even though none of it's been officially announced. Wouldn't that be interesting?
1: If Venezuela becomes... <laughs>
0: the world's superpower
1: just does a total 180 okay um,
0: hey, they still have a lot of oil down there if they can figure out how to get it out of the ground right that's that's
1: still a thing they they still
0: have oh that yeah oil.
1: they're a resource rich country like totally yes. well but that's that's what i'm getting at is like you know two decades ago venezuela was a great place um, yeah it, and then communism destroyed it yeah, in the
0: 1950s. It looked like the 1950s in the U.S. It was, it was great. They had a ton of resources. Now, I mean, they did rely heavily on their oil production. And then when they went communist, they destroyed their, their well, cash cow. then cattle.
1: people will get very upset. I said communist. It's, they're socialist. Okay. There's no. a huge difference. It's
0: very big. Yes.
1: Um, people will it, get really mad at me for does, that.
0: Does one of them not um, advocate for theft? Is, is that... the, the,
1: people will get even more upset if I were to call it Marxist they will be like, oh, it's not Marxist. You have clearly never read Marx. You don't understand, right? And it, you know, it
0: wasn't it. it wasn't communism. It was it was uh, just just government mismanagement of their central bank, obviously, right? It had nothing to do with nationalizing mm. all those businesses, right? So.
1: Right, totally, stuff. totally. <laughs> um. So there were there were two other things, Miami. Oh yeah, I want to talk about Miami, but there was one other thing that's like escaping me right now well whatever um i'm really excited for miami dude yes oh Um, david poke that was the other one we'll we'll talk about him after miami Um, I'm really (laughs) excited about miami dude there are there are a number of bitcoiners that i owe at least one beer to so like it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time like there's a lot of people i'm really looking forward to meeting yes definitely uh it's gonna be hard
0: to buy beers for these people because everybody else is gonna be trying to buy beers for them
1: yes and (laughs) the vast majority of the plate well i mean like i know like if how do i say this i'm not trying to come off like pompous when i say this but like anybody that's going and speaking is like technically in the vip and i think that there's like open bars and stuff there so like how do you buy someone a drink with the open bar sure (laughs) Maybe just tip them some light. parties, I guess, I or something. Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, I'm I'm super stoked. Um, we get to we get to talk about WTF in 1971. Um, that's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, I, I I appreciate you kind of letting me join you on that talk. It's, well,
1: we we're not gonna be on the main stage. We're, yeah, we figured that out. We're on the fiat <laughs> stage, is what they're calling it. Which, um, I guess, for us, they're gonna have to make the fiat stage the main stage because obviously we're gonna draw the someone else was speaking i think it, like nick carter is speaking at the same time as us on the main mm-hmm. stage so, it's like that. we're coming for you nick like yeah. i know you Sorry, got a uh, hundred and sixty-three thousand followers on twitter but ben and i are a powerhouse combined uh, you better watch out bud
0: we have the pleb following
1: yeah. and uh yeah he's they... gonna be looking out at an empty room when he's talking I mean, who likes Nick anyway? It's
0: not like he has good takes or anything, right? I mean, it's not like he's, you know, he's on TV or,
1: well. It's not Not like he he writes, like, evergreen articles on settlement assurances or anything.
0: It's not like he's he's better dressed than us at all. Right. Totally. Not
1: even remotely, right? So. Okay, this is getting (laughs) uncomfortable.
0: But yeah, it's listen. I wasn't even gonna go to this conference,
1: and you know. I oh, know, same uh, here. I wasn't gonna go at all till they invited me. Yeah. Like, well, sure. Why not? I'm not gonna turn that down. Basically the same, but it's gonna be. I mean, it's gonna be super
0: bullish, but like, I'm also I'm looking forward to talking to the speakers and looking forward to networking some with some people. Um, it, the Bitcoin conversation in person is always is always
1: a better thing than like typing things into 280 character blocks. So. I gotta sow lots of networking seeds and try to line up a job sometime for the next nice. year. So yeah, see, there you go. All right. Um, so you wanted to talk about Mr. Pogue? Yeah, okay. I mean, I just think it's cool, dude. Like, it's what's cool. So like, I don't know. You and I have talked about this before, like offline. Um, the dividends that that website pays us, not like monetarily speaking, but like. All the time, like we just that website just kind of sits there. I mean, like we'll add a chart every now and then or tweak something a little bit, but like we don't do that much with it. We don't really promote it other than like with the Twitter. And all I really do with the Twitter is like once a day or once every other day go through and like all of the posts where people reference the website, and then <laughs> occasionally like shit post something like some chart that looks funny. And it's just like it continue like it continues to give back. Like with, it's amazing how people will discover it like for the first time and it will the traffic just the traffic will kind of like shoot up and then sort of like go down go down go down and then like someone else will tweet about it or something and it shoots up again and it just happens all the time and then lo and behold like you know you find out that it's in the footnotes of an acres investment group letter or <laughs> um you know the cbs new york times correspondent david Polk with 1.3 million followers on twitter tweets about it and it's like then you have really good traffic days. But it's just amazing that the site just like sits there and constantly comes back into the conversation.
0: Yeah, and it was funny because um, I actually didn't realize I was replying to David in 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 the replies in that thread, somebody had posted a video from Mike Maloney saying, hey, if you wanna, like, I think he, he was looking at the website and was going on a little bit of a self um, a Socratic self-discovery as you like to say. And then he said, hey, if you wanna learn more about like the money system or something related to this, you should watch this Mike Maloney video. And I said, I replied to that comment saying, you know, Mike Maloney did an entire hour, hour and a half video on just the website explaining each chart individually, right? And he, it was David Pogue that I was replying. I didn't even see that it was just him also in his comments. And he DM'd me my personal account saying, Oh, like huh, I didn't know about that video. That's really cool. I guess I guess David or no, I guess Mike Maloney must be a friend of the the guys who made the website. And I was like, <laughs> no, he's not. I know because I co-created the website. I also just sent you a DM from our Twitter account. And he, I I, I, I did say, hey, listen, if you ever want to have a chat or if you have any questions, please reach out to us. But um, he did he did divulge to me that that website had. Um, had been a lot of really cool conversations around his dinner table which i i thought was interesting that he's you know he's sharing with his family too he's like hey man look at this like what what happened and that was his tweet too instead of saying hey look it was the end of the golds or, or anything like that it he was just ronald like, reagan yeah he was just like hey what happened man it's, it's, it's cool so I, well I, that I,
1: was that that's the whole point right to just get people asking the question mm-hmm. right it's not about like you know i'm i'm fine with Forty percent of the people who see it using it to try and push their own political narratives, and the other thirty percent of people who see it saying, "Oh, it was computers, or it was AIDS, or it was," change mu- changing the music industry, and then the other ten percent are like, "Huh, this is really interesting. I don't know what happened. I need to learn. I need to ask more questions." Those are the people that that we're trying to hit, right? Yeah. So uh, it's just it was just cool to see, you know. Yeah, seemed like a cool guy. Um.
0: definitely I definitely hope he reaches out to uh, have a chat with us So that'd be pretty yeah.
1: sweet <laughs> I, I, I don't know maybe like we need to do a better job like trying to network because journalists um, maybe we need to like kind of like come up with a story to tell or something because journalists that's their job right to tell stories so like a couple guys create a website with a bunch of charts on it and it gets really popular might make a really good story I don't know um, yeah but, you know, you can't come on too
0: strong. I was just like, hey, listen, man, if you ever want to have a chat. You know. Speaking of which,
1: <laughs> I like your shirt. Oh, yeah, thanks. Is this coming on too strong? <laughs> Maybe just a little bit, but. Uh, <laughs> so, like, we're going to wear those at the conference so that people can easily pick us out. And then what I what I think we're going to do, do, we, do you still want to try to sell those? Yeah. Um, Maybe, I mean, like, why not? It's, Maybe like at the conference, we'll launch the link to buy them, but I don't want anyone else in the conference wearing them because I need yeah. to be able to track you down. <laughs> right, very easily. In a sea so. of people.
0: Um, it's it's not like, hey, we want to make money. It's that we probably can turn up to the conference and people will be like, I kind of want that shirt too. So um, we were just like, let's just throw it up on our website. Because the you know,
1: margins on selling t-shirts is like a dollar or two dollars yeah. or something. Like, so. It's not so much to make money as it's just like, it's kind of a cool brand representation of the website it's just like it's like one of those things where like we feel like people might want one and if they do we'll we'll make them available because ben originally just made them like for us to wear at the conference but i've already i shared the photos you sent me of it with a couple people and they were already asking like where can i get (laughs) one.
0: yeah it'll probably be like around 20 bucks too which is a lot of money to pay for a t-shirt so um but hey we'll make them available eventually there's a little bit of little 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 artism in there but not not a whole lot (laughs)
1: all right what time is it uh it is 2000 o'clock <laughs> you're not helping all right we got like 20 minutes is there anything else to talk about should we end early uh we can end early
0: i got some stuff i gotta Does anybody do anybody have
1: any questions is there anything I, in the
0: i always believe in in making content when you have something good to say uh we don't just just like yeah ramble we have on to for BS. 20
1: minutes true all right all right guys, um we'll give you an extra 20 minutes of your morning back. You're welcome. Uh invest it wisely. Go watch Ross Stevens. Yes. And we will oh, and up? and and uh and and check out Jamie King and um Brad
0: Mills' uh, film project as well. And uh if you're coming to Miami, hit us up as well.
1: We'll come go have a beer or something. Yeah. Looking forward to it. All right guys, see you next week hopefully. <laughs>